Hey everyone, if you love the Sus Talk podcast, make sure to also check out other pods across the HSP network. Take a listen to amazing shows such as Subway to Shea, Third Floor Lounge, HSP, and Adventures with Trendsetter. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe today so you don't miss out on all the great podcasts on HSP. Welcome to the Sustock Podcast. I'm Sumeraki, and we have some major wrestling news to cover because I woke up this morning and I looked on the phone and the guy I'm with I'm going to be talking with today sent me this text saying that there was a lot of massive names that were released today by WWE. And then I looked at it and I thought, this is, this has to be fake, right? Cause I saw the names and then I looked up, I went on Twitter, I went on Fightful, I went on wrestling observer and they all confirmed the releases. And I was like, Holy crap. These, this, this is huge. I've never seen this happen. And I don't know what this means, but well, I guess those guys are just not there anymore. But it's like, wow, I I can't believe it. But before we do any of that, and we do have a match that we want to uh, cover from 2016, and it's going to be a great one. We're covering Osprey versus Ricochet from the Best of the Super Junior in 2016. We're going to recap what that match meant and the effects of that match leading up five minutes, five years later. And joining me to do everything here is my man, Andy Saadeo. Andy, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Susuma. I'm very happy to be back. Uh, kind of a little bit of unfortunate news that we have to discuss, but we also get to talk about Ricochet and Will Ospreay, and I'm always down to talk about Ricochet and Will Ospreay, two of my favorite wrestlers of this generation, and we're going to have a blast. I'm like, super excited to be back. Yeah. I so let's cover the releases first before we get to the match because we just got finished watching Osprey and Ricochet, and the names that were released are the following: Braun Strowman, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, Lana, Santana Garrett, who I have no idea who that is, and Buddy Murphy. Now the big one definitely is Strowman, which nobody saw coming. And we we even saw like something saying that Braun was locked up in like a very lucrative contract with with WWE. Mm-hmm. I think he was making a million a year, which is huge. That's a lot. That's like superstar money. Mm-hmm. And Braun, by the way, was probably one of the more prominently featured guys within the like the past five years. Because it all started, like, his career basically lifted when he got drafted to Raw, right? Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, like, they start, started getting him some this major squash wins. And basically, Braun is the reason why James Ellsworth exists. Braun, Braun is also the reason that Roman Reigns basically had an excellent 2017 year. Because their feud basically had Braun pushing all these different, like, vehicles and Roman basically attempting to murder him mm-hmm. and Braun patented his great um his great like catchphrase which was I'm not finished with you which was awesome and then afterwards like he's had like a pretty good time and they featured him pretty well like he was always on like the promotional like posters and like everything around him like the guy was moving merch mm-hmm. So I was so shocked that they released him. Now, granted, the way that they've been using him in the, over the past year has not been great. 
But in the past year as well, like they, they rewarded him the universal title when Roman Reigns couldn't challenge for it. They gave it to Braun and he had held that title during the pandemic for pretty okay. I, I pretty decently. He did a pretty good job with it. So when you saw Braun's name, Andy, what was your initial reaction when you saw his name? I, I felt kind of sad, you know, because this is the guy who, like, you know, he clearly was a very big company guy to begin with. And, you know, he, he put so he put up with so much, you know, from the like his peak in 2017 to like the mismanagement of his character and everything that they put him through. And he still time and time again just had nothing but positive things to say about WWE and like granted like you know he got the world title and everything he he had a lot of great moments and stuff but in between a lot of those great moments you know there were some very bad booking decisions to be made with this character but you know i just i just feel bad because it's like i feel like there was so much more left in the tank for him i this one just came out of nowhere um and personally judging by the comments he made about indie wrestling last year i don't think he's gonna like go to the indies and wrestle now I, I honestly think he's like just done with wrestling he's probably just gonna go back to his powerlifting career because i know he's been training for a powerlifting competition uh if i recall correctly and so yeah it's, it's just really disheartening because you know it would have been great to have him have like a, a world title run in front of people and you know really get the crowd going again like i would have loved to see a crowd react to him like running somebody over um and whatnot but you know never say never he could probably come back i wouldn't be surprised if he comes back eventually um i don't think the door is completely shut for his return but you know time will tell it's for me he was like the next great like big guy that wwe had because like for years wwe always had kane in the big show Uh they always had him they had mark henry around and Braun was basically the successor of all those guys Uh like the moment remember that match that he and big show had where they basically imploded the ring did that spot again hell yeah so and I'm pretty sure he also beat him in a steel cage too. That was a good ass match. That was a good feud. That was a good feud. They put on a lot. Of, they work really well together. Yeah, and Big Show is basically like a mentor to him, if I if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's why I was like shocked by this because like they really like the crowd was so behind Braun, especially in 2017. Like that was his year, honestly. And I was so happy to like watch this guy every week. Like, what is he gonna do? What what crazy thing is he going to do? What is he going to like do to just demolish and destroy Roman Reigns again? Right. And if you just look forward to that every week. And like I've I don't think like I've never been really invested in that kind like that kind of wrestler where it's like he's just huge and that's it. But like Braun found a way to just like make that like very interesting in like in this era where we've seen basically everything. Exactly. And like, you know, he he was also like so un- unbelievably athletic as well. So like he added like another dimension of like big man wrestling that we both you and I probably haven't been used to to seeing. You know, we've been used to seeing like sluggish, slow paced, you know, big man matches. You know, which you know comes with the territory. But Braun was like he brought speed, he brought intensity, 
and he brought a killer moveset as well. And, you know, I thought he was just so fun to watch. Even though I love Sami Zayn, that feud that he had with Sami Zayn way back in, what was it, like 2016 maybe or 2017? That was like his first feud like after first all those feud. squash matches. Yeah, and like he, even though I love Sami Zayn so much, like a top five wrestler for me, like it was so fun to see Braun just like demolishing Sami Zayn every week because Sami Zayn, one, sold the hell out of it, and two, like, you know, Braun was just doing a, a great job. I remember they had a match that went around the arena, and I'm like, I, that match really did stuck out, stick out to me. I remember watching that with my friends who didn't even watch wrestling at the time, and they, they just found it so fun to watch. And, you know, Braun was responsible for a lot of those memories, you know. He did a lot of great things, and, you know, I'm just very disappointed in his release. I want to read up on something that I remember. One of my, one of my, the most hilarious things I listened to one on, like, for a podcast was Braun basically reading out his Chipotle order. <laughs> he has, like, a big-ass order, too. Like, okay, here it is. It's a bowl, one scoop of rice, grilled vegetables, three scoops of steaks, two scoops of chicken, guac, corn, and sour cream. Jesus if you ta- tally all that together, that is in terms of calories. That's let's see, two hundred ten plus twenty, and four fifty four hundred like three. The three orders of steaks was four fifty. Uh, the two orders of chicken is three sixty. The guac is two thirty. Sour cream is one twenty, and then eighty. That's like that's so much calories. Like, yeah. and he's a big dude, so I understand that. Like. If you've ever seen, like, and read about The Rock's diet, like, he basically eats, like, two dinners for, like, one meal. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy eats uh, so many calories just to try to make up for, like, the body that he has. But, uh, you know, back anyway, but I think, like, Braun has been, like, also, like, the one thing about him was he was the guy that WWE would usually send out to, like, all these media outlets and to represent the company, too. Like, as you mentioned before, he's a huge company guy. And he basically helped elevate. Like you would have think that like someone who was like this big giant that like the giant types don't really talk that much, but he's kind of more like big show to where like they used to like to send this guy out and they would like to promote something or to further a feud or something or something from like uh, a media outlet that was outside of WWE. They loved, they love sending him out there. And, and I think that, that to me was like, something special about Braun was that they trusted him that much to represent the company. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He was very reliable, very reliable, just like, you know, Big Show and Mark Henry. But, you know, we kind of saw what happened with them. But honestly, I don't think Braun will ever take that course of jumping ship to AEW. But who knows? Never seen ever. But at the same time, you know, very reliable guy. Nothing but great things to say. Um, Apparently, I don't know how true this is, but I I read that he like asked for his release, um, which kind of like puts things into perspective about where his head is at at the moment. But you know, who knows? I think I, yeah, we'll see what happens on that one. It's like more stuff will come out. I mean, it's still like the day of the release of the yeah. announcement of the releases, so yeah. more news will trickle out, and we and let's just keep it up right there as as goes, but. I'm hopeful we'll see what happens. We talked I hoping that maybe he goes into movies like the way that like guys like John Cena, guys like Dave like Batista and The Rock have gone into movies. Like Brock could definitely do it. Like we he, I could see him being like the final henchman before the actual evil guy in an action movie. Yo, sidebar, Batista and Army of the Dead, 
That movie was so good. I watched it two nights in a row. You gotta even check though it. they incorporated it into a match for no reason. Oh, honestly though, the movie was so good. Great cast too. But I digress. I I agree that Braun could be like a killer, like uh, addition to like movies and stuff like that. Like think about he's like, like a big henchman type. Like, mm-hmm. like you think- put him in, in like uh, like Taken, let's say, and he's like the <laughs> big big henchman. Mm-hmm. Like think or- about like Vladimir Kozlov. Like he he's had a, a relatively successful career since he left WWE. Like if you he's look very, at his- you can't like recognize him how he was in WWE. I think he grew grew out a beard and everything. I gotta see beard, like his yeah. roles. Yeah, but. Braun has the name value too. Mm-hmm. Like you start him out in like you know like small action like smaller roles and like big budget action movies like Fast and Furious or something. Mm-hmm. You start him out there and then he starts getting a, growing a name and maybe he transitions to the comedy the way the Big Show did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or no, that's a phase that every single one of these wrestlers turning into actors goes through. Like The Rock had to go through all these terrible comedy the movies. The Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. He had to go through all of those movies. And then, like, he transitioned into legitimate action movies. John Cena had a face like that, too. And he's now transitioning to doing more stuff, more action movies as well. Uh-huh. Um, he was in Bumblebee. I think he was also in the new Fast and Furious movie as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, and he's hosting Wipeout. So, congrats, John, even though I still can't recognize you anymore with your uh-huh. hair. Yeah, uh, okay, we, we got sidetracked, but like, nevertheless, like, the main important thing is that Braun being released is unfortunate. I was looking forward to seeing, like, this was the guy that I thought would be with the, with WWE for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But we got to cover some of the other releases, too. Um, they include the following Aleister Black, who they just started doing something with him. He, he costed Big E a, ch- a shot uh, to win the, uh, the Intercontinental Championship, and they were going to start something with that. And I was looking forward to it, but then they cut him. Mm-hmm. Um, short and sweet on how I feel about that is like that's the one that's it stings. Braun was the shocker. Alistair Black's release was a sting for me. I was like, you were going to do something with this guy, and then you just didn't let him do it again. Yeah, they they essentially blue balls him once again. Like it, it, it sucks because he never got to achieve his true potential that he he you know showed that he had in NXT, and you know this one personally hurts for me because one, I have a big ass Aleister Black tattoo on my forearm and you know, it, it really just it sucks because like this guy is like so inspiring and so talented and yet his his true potential doesn't get to be seen by the audience because of you know, he said uh that the release the reason for his release was budget cuts. So he was a part of budget cuts, even though they just brought him back to TV two weeks ago. They spent all this time filming all these all these vignettes. They have him come back with the the eye, the little contact he had in his eye and everything, and he just you know kills Biggie in the middle of the match and you know costs in the match. And then one week they're off TV again, and then the next week he's gone. Like it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all to me it was it was the worst timing possible to do it which was if they were planning to release him i think they shouldn't have done it they should have found another person to basically interrupt stop big cost biggie the match mm-hmm. um so that way it just like kind of like it doesn't do that where like you give put you give people hope that they're gonna you're gonna do something with them 
and then afterwards pull the rug on us again and say, oh, we're, we're actually, now's the time we're going to cut him. It's like, you couldn't have done this last year? Yeah, exactly. When people <laughs> kind of expected that he would have ended up getting released, like, it was so stupid. It just makes no sense. And it kind of just shows, like, the lack of, I guess, long-term storytelling because, you know, here they are one week, you know, he's interrupting Big E the next week. He's not even on TV. The next week, he's gone. What the hell? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And it's it sucks, but we, here's what we can look forward to because I'm gonna read off the other four like Ruby Riot. Um, in terms of just like destination wise, where they would go, mm-hmm. I don't know. I seriously like Santana Garrett. You're gonna have to fill me on that one because I have no idea who that person is. Um, Alistair Black. My dream is that he goes to NJPW, like New Japan. A lot of people have been saying that. I think he goes to really New well. Japan. He has like the move set for it. He hits mm-hmm. stiff very hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and he would be kind of like be filling in at a at a time when they kind of need people. And it's like, if you told Aleister Black, or now he's going to be known as Tommy End, if you told him, hey, we need you to, to fill in over in New Japan, he's going to do it. The mm-hmm. guy loves wrestling. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does, because like, I think his style translates very well to like what New Japan expects out of all of its wrestlers, especially anyone foreign. Um, Ruby Riot, that was another shocker. But like then again, I'm kind of happy because now... She, now she can go to either Impact, she could go to AEW. She would be a great and, addition to AEW's women's roster. They've been rebuilding their women's roster, and like honestly, well, I would say that they've been rebuilding. I'd say they're actually they've been building. The, yeah, that, that's right. Because I mean. that's under the impression that they had something going at the start. They didn't have anybody <laughs> at the start, Very good and point. then now they're slowly building, coming together, and now there's legitimate competition for newly minted champion. Britt Baker, who, mm-hmm. by the way, that was an excellent match. I loved it. It was such a great way to send off uh, Karshita, who's going to probably take some time off I'm mm-hmm. because she's held the title for like a year, and now Brit, it's now Britt's time. That's a nice sidebar. Anyway, Ruby writes, my guess is, like, along with uh, the Iconics, they could go to either Impact or AEW. It's their choice. They could do whatever they want. Lana also got cut, and I... I'm like, why would she not go to AEW? Yeah. It's... <laughs> her, her husband is there. And it's also the current reigning uh, TNT champion who has been kicking ass. And basic. And when you saw that match with him and uh, Lance, Lance Archer, Archer, like they had a good match, but the biggest pop of that match was somehow him basically caused, basically taught, yeeting Jake the Snake Roberts snake. That was, that was insane. Are we I, sure that there was a snake in there? No, nah, there was definitely no snake in there. I don't think they were that stupid enough to put a snake in there. I don't know if you saw like the beginning of the match with uh Miro and Lance Archer, where like Lance Archer literally just like says it and just like jumps out and like dives towards Miro like from the top rope, and it's crazy to think because like Lance Archer is like seven feet tall already as is, and he's he's just so huge. He's not and not only is he like tall, but he's like wide. He's like the Haas, like a definition of like when I think of like a Haas wrestler, that's the kind of person I think. Yeah, of. man. Honestly, I was kind of disappointed that he lost. I, I hate the fact that they keep thrusting him in that position where it's just like he loses like the big matches. But uh, I it's you know what you gotta have one of those wrestlers that's kind of like that. It's not yeah. not everybody is going to be able to succeed all the time. It kind of reminds look, me of like Braun Strowman's booking a little bit because like you know the yeah. guy had like countless world title matches before he finally won the big one. You know. Yeah, I w- it's it's unfortunate, but I, I I will also I will also say that 
Miro just won the title. Yeah, that's true too. So I'm and not, Miro has been it. kicking ass, and mm. now he's aiming towards Cody. And I think we I might actually watch Homelander die. Well, wait, Cody's going for the TNT title now. No, I saw. I I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Wait, no. I think. I I think it was like a comment I read from Miro earlier this morning mm-hmm. or like last night, and he just aimed it towards to- Cody, and I was just like, oh my god, Homelander's going to die soon, isn't he? <laughs> He looked like Homelander. I was like, I, okay, I want to forget about Cody and his match because, like, the, his outfit in general just made me think, oh my god, why? Are you? He's like, he's purposely trying to get memed. Yeah, uh, no, I, he's I purposely trying that. to get like basically flogged by by everyone on the internet because I think I think it's like a weird, it's like self awareness to where he knows that like by that whatever he's doing, they're just gonna keep doing it just because like they they like it's. I thought he was just unself-aware but i actually think he is self-aware and just doing this on purpose mm. yeah i i would like to hope i would like to hope but <laughs> i have a lot of opinions on cody rose that i don't really want to divulge because you know yeah there's other stuff to do but of course. uh santana gary you gotta explain this one to me i don't, i, I know i know i know she's like a she was like a big indie wrestler i don't know much about her to be honest with you i think she wrestled for like shimmer and I think she came from the NWA, and some people are saying that she's probably going to go back to NWA. I'm not too sure like about her career trajectory, but I know she, oh, oh. she was a big name. She was apparently a big... apparently the pre-show match with the NWA Women's Title was like was pretty good too between uh, Deeb and uh, and Rio. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that was a pretty good match. Like good good stuff from like the women's division for AEW. Just yeah. just like that match with Sheeta Baker and Jada Cargill's kind of getting like this mega big push. Mm-hmm. And like she looks pretty, I saw her like in, in like a match. Like like oh my god, she's actually impressive. Yeah, that like there's potential there. Like he, she could be like the top the top woman, top woman in that division. You know, she was actually scouted out by WWE through Mark Henry. Mark Henry just finds people. All right. Mark <laughs> Henry just, found Bianca Belair as well. Mark Henry also found Apollo Cruz, I think. Oh. Shit. I did not know that. I think he also found Apollo Cruz. I think I remember seeing something that like that's how they found him. Um, Jesus, Mark Henry, just like thank God he signed to AEW because like that guy could spot talent. Oh my God. Yeah, I, what a huge acquisition for them. Um, people that's... people were getting down on WWE for passing up on Jade Cargill, but like she actually said in an interview that she passed up on WWE because I guess she she just wanted to go for AEW. I guess and, that's uh, good on her. Like yeah. it's like. You know, you, you get the decision. You put you put like all the a chip on your shoulder, and you're betting on yourself. That's great. I love that. I'm now I'm more over for Jade, Jade Cardgill. I I hope that she becomes like a future AEW Women's Champion. Anyway, lastly, let's go to Buddy Buddy Murphy because like we went long. Um, Buddy, I'm that's a guy. I'm like I instantly just wrote in my my friend's group chat. Please. Best of the Super Juniors, please. Holy hell, yeah. Uh, honestly, the I world need is this. his oyster, yeah. Like, I'm not He's even mad. He's so talented. I'm not even mad that he got released from WWE because now he, he he he's the one who has, like, probably the most potential outside of, like, you know, Braun and Aleister Black because, like, you know, those are guys who are, like, so well-established. Braun had the machine behind him. Aleister Black was, you know, Tommy End beforehand. But... Buddy Murphy really, really made a name for himself, and he's he's such a tremendous athlete, and My... he has so much to offer. And like you know, like you said, best of the Super Juniors out be insane, perfect fit for him. Yeah, even then he has impact too. He has like all these guys. Like it's 
that's the thing like with these comment the common like thought or tweet that's being said is that like it's not the end for all these people just because mm-hmm. they've been cut by wwe it's like now because there's so many like well visible options all these guys can either like can go to these other promotions mm-hmm. that's the that's the special part the silver lining about all this is that they all have options now yeah and it's not like a death nil anymore like being released by wwe it's like that's honestly it's not the worst thing if you have a plan and you and you just like think, okay, what am I gonna do next? And you know exactly what you want to do. Mm-hmm. With Buddy, I'm looking forward to it because like my favorite memory with him was him being like kind of like the headliner of the the Australian show. He won the cruiserweight title, and in the Australia show, which was awesome because he got like this huge pop from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then the other memory was his his match with uh, Mustafa Ali, which if you heard from Mustafa Ali, was that I don't think they could use like any like chairs or something, so they had to find like very very creative ways to like make it as make their no DQ match as brutal as possible. They used that was the match where they used the steel steps a lot, mm-hmm. and that match was awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. brutal, and I and Buddy has like really just like established himself, and that guy was just, like man, he has so much talent, and. I'm looking forward to see what he does. Yeah, the world is his oyster, man. Oh, I just realized uh, Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy are not free agents. What is the possibility that they can reunite as a tag team? Strongly doubt it. But it's, no, no, it's, they're it's, no, they're 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 good as they like because like Wesley Blake has already done another thing with another faction. But oh, with Buddy, sweet. Buddy's like been by himself, so like I think Buddy's just gonna do whatever he wants to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he's he's a bona fide single star in and of itself. Like the world is his oyster. I cannot wait to see what the hell he does. All right. We've covered the releases. We gotta finally get to the uh, the big match that we hyped up with the rematch, and it's another edition. I know that we've been holding it off for like a while, just because like both our schedules have been kind of like very um, booked, as we say. I say booked. <laughs> we, we it's been heavily we've been heavily booked over the past like two months, and we apologize for not exactly providing you with something, but we are going to give you something. And it's going to happen now. We're going to, we have recapped, we have watched, and we are going to recap Best of Super Junior 2016, Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. Now, we did something different because in the past two podcasts we did this, we, we got our live reaction of us watching the match. We've already watched the match, and now we're going to recap it. It's, it's something different, and I think it, it'll go on better. Personally, I think it'll be better. So, when we, when we watch this match, Andy... The reason I wanted to was because this match at the time in the moment basically broke the the wrestling internet. It yeah. broke the internet and everybody had an had an opinion on this match and the one big take that had people going was I Vader had a problem with the match. It was athletic sure, but they told no story and that's kind of like the main crux of the whole thing was that Vader was just thinking that it was just an athletic showcase and he didn't re- and they didn't really tell a story at all. And, you know, that's we think that. And then afterwards, like when he made those comments, everybody defended this match, like most notably, like Meltzer pointed out saying, for some reason, I feel compelled to point out that today in point out today which was like at the time 2016 that in 1978 people thought flair versus steamboat did too many spots and no psychology mm-hmm. and regal typed this whole thing up in defense of the match too and i couldn't believe this like it garnered this much of a reaction and it got the people going 
and but when we actually watched the match, it wasn't just like a fully choreographed like flip show. Yeah, it, there, was, it, there was some stiff stuff in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of and interesting some substance. Moves. Yeah, a lot yeah. of interesting moves that I hadn't even seen. Like there was uh, that one move where Ricochet, uh, uh, he had like taken Osprey's leg behind his neck or something like that, and then he just like stretched him out. Kind of, it looked kind of like a stretch muffler a little bit, if I recall correctly, and then he just dropped him. Uh, something like that. But yeah, there, there was a lot of substance beneath all the, you know, I guess I don't want to say fluff because it, it wasn't fluff. But just call uh, it, just the, call it flippy stuff. The yeah, the yeah, the flippy stuff, the spectacle of the match. We watched the match like because it was like a normal lockup, and they do like their usual chain wrestling, right? It's like the customer for every New Japan wrestling match is that you you lock up and then you have like a little chain wrestling to just kind of get feel feel each other out, right? Mm-hmm. Then afterwards, like that's when the flipping they go to the flipping sequence. They're basically countering everybody. Like that's normal for like a lot of like, especially for like one of the bigger like New Japan matches. Like they love doing like countering all the moves, and then you're doing it at a much faster pace, and then you do like a little stare down afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's that it's just the difference that they decided to put like a very aerial, more acrobatic like spin on it, mm-hmm. and it ended with them basically doing like this uh, cart. You know, transitioning into a handspring, handstand into like a flip, into a backflip, mm-hmm. and then they do like a Superman like pose afterwards, where it's like they stare each other down, right? Mm-hmm. I that's I think, and the crowd was so into that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not gonna tell me like if you're sitting in the crowd and you see what we just saw, that whole sequence, you're not gonna be impressed about like who's yelling and saying in the moment that that's that they had a problem with that. Yeah, who's doing that? Who? No one's booing that. Right, exactly. Stop it. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and like, to play devil's advocate, I, I, I see both sides of the argument. Like, I could see why Vader said the things that he, he said. Because, I mean, like, realistically, like, who who before Ricochet and Will Ospreay have done something like this? You know, whenever something new is being presented or, or something that's, like, genre-bending or genre-breaking is being presented, there are obviously going to be a lot of, you know, blowback there's going to be a lot of reservations about like what's actually going on you know um beta said something about like a lack of storytelling which in the moment i i guess i can kind of see like that was at that the start of the match though like you gotta like say like if that's like specifically what you're referencing Mm -hmm. it's like you're not even letting them tell the story first i agree i agree and like i saw the story in the match i saw the story but like i could see where he's coming from but at the same time you got to look at the crowd reaction as well and like obviously if there's not a story being told how the how the the fans react you know stories require some sort of conflict and conflict inherently you know provokes some sort of reaction from the crowd and the crowd was red hot during this entire match um so, I mean, I guess I could see why, because it wasn't just like a traditional wrestling match in and of itself. It was just, you know, it looked a little bit like a Cirque du Soleil performance when you look at just the just the flippy stuff. But like I said, it was there was a good wrestling match underneath, you know. Um, but yeah, there... But at the same time, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. And like, it, you know, Ricochet and Will Ospreay, two of my favorite guys uh, today. And to think that this match happened in 2016... Like, that's only five years ago, and that match really just, like, broke down so many boundaries for, like, you know, wrestling today. Like, you look at AEW, and, like, a lot of AEW wrestling is, you know, basically that style now. 
you know, they basically... It's very spot-heavy. Spot-heavy, yeah. Spot-heavy is, is, is their forte, I guess. But, like, you know, Ricochet and Will Ospreay, that specific match really set the tone and was... 2016 was just a really pivotal year for professional wrestling as a whole, and that was definitely a very big pillar moment in that year. What I loved about that match was just like the in the like the some of the stuff that was being said by Osprey and Ricochet. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> do you know how many times like he curs? Like, I, he just like took this stiff kick in the corner and he just like put out an f bomb, and I was just like, what? I chuckled the first time I watched that. I was like, I was more like enthused and laughing at that. But when you actually saw like the biggest spot in the match, like by the way, like the start of that match, like the sequence wasn't even that wasn't even the mo- the biggest part of that match. <laughs> the biggest part of that match was when they were at the si- at the side, um, like right by the ring apron. Um, I'm pretty sure they tra- like Ricochet like sends Osprey like back into the ring, but then Osprey slides around and basically gives him a poison Rana like in on the floor mm-hmm. that was like the biggest like i don't remember that part and i was just like that is actually the biggest part of this match that was the biggest spot of that match it was so good so well executed the only part of that that really scared me was that ricochet's knee like didn't oh. land on at the same time as each other and like one of his knees la- was this close to landing on like the ring apron i think it did i think it grazed the ring apron but like at the same time you know how hard both you and i know how hard that New Japan ring is, and it's, it's just, can you imagine, like, a regular, normal human knee just crashing down on that? That, oh, God. Kind of reminds me of that episode of South Park where Kyle, you know, gets, like, the guy's testicles in his knees just so he could play basketball, and then at the end, they just explode, and he just ends up, like, half dead on the... No, basketball. wasn't it just because, wasn't that because, like, his body was going to, like, eventually break down, and that's why he his body explodes? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, because his knees just like oh. I, I didn't expect the, I didn't expect a South Park reference, here, <laughs> so that's why I was caught off guard. I know which episode you're talking about because Gerald turned into a dolphin. Dolphin, <laughs> and it was great because he got to do a dolphin thing before the episode ended. But we're getting sidetracked. Anyway, all we know is that that that's that spot was awesome, but the whole match was stiffed. It was so stiff, and I loved it. And Sometimes it's not from like a forearm because like some of those guys like they had some hard ass slaps slapped each other in the face like really hard, mm-hmm. and they also like the kicks were like on point. Like there was a point where they hit each other with like a kick and then they both fell off down at the same time. And mm-hmm. like you can't tell me that that match was didn't like wasn't well rounded because it had like it was a pretty well rounded match. It was a very well rounded match, but to Vader's point, you can make the argument that it it looked very choreographed, which isn't necessarily a bad thing uh if the crowd's into it if the crowd's into it yes exactly that's yeah and the crowd was so buying it like at the start i'm pretty sure it was more they favored more ricochet because he was more the household name Mm -hmm. he was like the the foreign the foreign guy that they knew better than osprey because that was actually osprey's first full year in new japan Mm -hmm. it was his first appearance in new japan because he was brought over by okada he joined up he joins chaos and he's kind of like the main like chaos representative for them. Mm-hmm. And it was really because he that was like the year that he really wanted to prove himself. And he really got the chance to that was like his breakout match. Yeah. Which he would have other breakout matches much later. But like that was like the first match. Like you remember your first like the breakout match, right? Okada had it when he it was first title. 
his first title shot against uh, Tanahashi, Tanahashi, which he won. Yeah. Right? Um, AJ had it in his first debut match against Okada. Mm-hmm. And for Osprey, this was his breakout match. This was how people knew the name Osprey. What a time to be a wrestling fan at that time. Jeez, man. So it much. was beautiful, especially at that month, too, because you had Best of the Super Juniors and Roman and AJ were fight- fighting for the WWE title. Oh, man. What a time. What a freaking time to be a it wrestling fan. It was good. Damn. Um, I want to also segment and say that we want. I want to talk about Osprey's evolution, too, because, like, as we're talking about, like, this was his first year appearance first appearance in new japan mm-hmm. it's, like, it's kind of amazing that he's like grown how much he's grown. like we've watched this guy like evolve his body mm-hmm. evolve his moveset and he's transitioned into becoming winning the the heavyweight championship which he unfortunately had to vacate because of an injury mm-hmm. but the evolution of osprey from that match with ricochet into what he has become now has been it's it's actually been one of the more underrated like journeys that i've ever had the chance to follow uh yeah he has had a, a an incredible an incredible journey like on the way to the heavyweight title like you were talking about this while the match is going on we saw kushida was doing commentary i believe and um we discussed how like kushida left new japan because they wouldn't break him out of the junior heavyweight division and he ended up going to NXT and becoming Cruiserweight Champion. But, like, you know, this is Will Ospreay is a guy who, like, fought super hard to get out of the, the junior heavyweight division. And the guy, not only did he grow as a performer, but, like, physically he grew as well. Like, he he's huge now. Um, he, he had started adding more power moves, too. Like, you see him do, like, mm-hmm. power bomb spots. Like, he he's kind of growing more into, like, Ibushi, like an Ibushi kind of body, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, he, Ibushi still had, was a very high-flying wrestler, but then once he's graduated to heavyweight, Ibushi basically has, like, all these power moves that he's able to do, which it, you still, like, pop for because, like, with their body frame, mm-hmm. like, you don't really see someone do a power bomb or a last ride power bomb, mm-hmm. right? You don't really know, You don't really expect it. Yeah, exactly. You, but like when you watch like um, Osprey, it's just like it's very high octane offense. Yeah, and it kind of trans- translates pretty well because like Osprey's intensity in this match with that Rick with Ricochet, it, the only difference was that like the intensity was translated into high flight moves. Whereas now in like the past year, Osprey's moves were all trans like the intensity gets translated into his power moves. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, high octane. That's a really good term to use to describe his offense because like it, it, it yeah it's exactly what it is it's high octane uh and like just to see the evolution of his character as a whole and his performance is just unreal and like he finally got to win the big one the one that he's been gunning so hard all these years for unfortunately like his career has been like you know mired in controversy for a little bit which it's is- a little bit but also the injury atop it off with that as well yeah i think that's why that's what makes this journey a little underrated because people forget that this is a guy who's like legitimately worked so hard to not only break out of the junior heavyweight division, which seems like really hard to break out of, uh, but to also, you know, ascend to the heavyweight division and win the big one. Like, you know, you can't ask for a, like a more storybook, uh, story to, for lack of a better word, than, than Will Ospreay's. Yeah. I, it's kind of funny because like we thought Osprey Ricochet, that's like the, the feud. That was like their feud. Like, but really Osprey's like biggest feud 
was with Shingo. Oh god! Every uh, time that those two lock up, especially in their the, their previous their most latest match, bangers all around. The best match that they've ever had was like the best of the Super Junior Final in 2019, and that was when they decided like, well, we kind of need Takagi to fill in for Hiromu, mm-hmm. even though he's not an actual junior heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, he's like he went undefeated, and then Osprey made this journey back, and this guy basically took it to to Shingo Takagi. And we've seen like, have you have you seen who what Shingo Takagi looks like? It was like a still. We knew that was going to be a stiff junior heavyweight match. Yeah, we yeah. knew going in like this guy hits so hard, and he's probably like the stiffest wrestler right now. Like, oh man, like yeah, he he's he's like barrel chested. I remember the first time I saw him and Osprey face off was I think it was like the summer of twenty eighteen, um, where they faced off. I was that, that was like my first exposure to Shingo. I was like, who the hell is this guy? And then I saw him wrestle, and I was just like, God, uh, my mind was just like blown. He he's just incredibly athletic, and like his build is just so like terrifying to look at. His look is terrifying to look at, and like. Him and him and Osprey just work so so well together. The chemistry was like all there too, mm-hmm. and that, I think that's that's really what happened. But I want to like one more thing before I want to wrap things up. We got to talk about Ricochet a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know it, it's it bums you out that how his WWE run has been, but like Ricochet did win the North American Championship eventually, and and his match with Osprey in this particular match kind of was like the last like long in memory that we had before he moved on to WWE. Mm-hmm. Because we knew Ricochet, for like he was kind of like the indie darling that was winning all the high flying awards. The mm-hmm. guy did a double moonsault, and he was probably like the most like can't miss guy, like the most like highlight reel kind of guy in the indie scene. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just like for me, it sucks because like he's not really the best on the mic, but if you but he really just lets like his like his matches do all the talking. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not necessarily bummed out by like his WWE career. Uh yeah, I wouldn't say bummed out. Uh I'm just saying, like I'm just not really surprised by like how it turned out, you know, cuz we had talked about this before Ricochet's not like the greatest on the mic, but like it, 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 in a perfect world WWE would just let the wrestling do the He would be fe- heavily featured as a highlight reel on Fox right now. If uh, yeah, like like the spot that Montez Ford, like where we see Montez do like this his excellent frog splash. Mm-hmm. I would want to see Ricochet do like his six thirty as a as like one of the highlight reel like stuff that they put into their Fox promotions. Mm-hmm. He, and like, Could you imagine like seeing that as ACDC song plays? Exactly, like thirty second promo. That's like great. I would want that. Can but, you imagine being like ten years old and you flip on WWE for the first time and you see Ricochet just like doing all these on real superhuman things? Like Ricochet, is- his his power was like shocking in this match too. Yeah, that, like, he had power crazy. moves. Yeah, like you, you don't really see that in his WWE run now, but like. He, yeah, his power moves were actually, you know, really believable. And, like, you know, they they sold the story really well, what was going on in the match. He actually was, like, the power guy in the match, mm-hmm. which was shocking because, like, you don't you don't think about that with Osprey anymore because Osprey's, like, the power guy in these matches now. Yeah. But Ricochet, my God, like, he was the power guy for Osprey at, at that point. It was kind of, like, jarring to watch. And mm-hmm. then afterwards, you... You kind of just grew to appreciate that both these guys, like they had, 
they kind of bl- did something they did something special with that match and that's why i just remember so clearly is that like it had a reaction in the moment and then now we look back and it's kind of just like these guys really just like us helped bring make that kind of re- that kind of style of wrestling more normal mm-hmm. they, they changed the game they changed the game five years later you can trace whatever is happening in like AEW and like small amounts in wwe back to that specific match. Would you say that the ricochet spot officially is being filled by Ray Phoenix right now? Mm-hmm. Or is Ray Phoenix like the Ray doing stuff that only Ray Phoenix can do? And it's like, there's no comparable guy. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Ray, Ray Phoenix, like he just moves at such a rapid rate. I feel like he wrestles faster than he's like thinking, to be honest, because <laughs> you know, like I need to sit down and watch a Ray Phoenix match. That yeah, that's the thing. It's just like you know when you see him wrestle, it's like it looks like he doesn't have the the end of the move plan in his head. He looks like he's just like whatever happens, happens. Which you know it, it works, it works. But like it, it looks, it works of- like unless like the guy that you're with like is like the guy you're wrestling un- is able to keep up with you. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. You can't like wrestle that kind of style with like an inexperienced guy because like somebody will get hurt at that point and. uh that that's what I fear when I when I see a Ray Phoenix match. But other than that, I I enjoy Ray Phoenix. But you know, it, it looks like it could get a little dangerous there. Um, Ricochet style, on the other hand, it was definitely more controlled chaos than what Ray Phoenix kind of presents. Ray Phoenix and Lucha Underground, on the other hand, I would say that's a more uh, fair comparison. But Ray Phoenix right now is right. Yeah, you know. we and. What about that King Puma though? That King Puma, Prince Puma. Oh, oh, is he still a Prince? Oh my God, it's been such a long time since I followed Lucha Underground. I apologize. Yeah, Prince Puma, man. Uh, but I think he, you got his name mixed up with uh, uh, King Cuerno, who is now Santos Escobar in uh, NXT. Uh, another great guy. I don't want to get sidetracked. But... All right, Andy. We talked about a heck of a lot of wrestling. From the releases to this match, and I gotta tell you, the warrant this match does warrant a four point seven five from Meltzer. Mm. It it really does. Uh, you were shocked. You thought it, you, you thought it, they gave him a five star match. Yeah, I thought this was like the dawn of the five star era, um, where Meltzer really started giving out like all those five star matches. He only gave like four five star matches that year. That's crazy to think about. Like, cause yeah. like I feel like it's been a lot more, but he only gave four. I'll give you the four. Uh, Tanahashi and Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 10. That was the match that Okada won, finally beat Tanahashi on the biggest stage. Mm-hmm. Ishii and Okada in, G, in the G1. Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito in the G1 Climax Final. Ooh. Oh, no, no. That wasn't the final. That was the that was the last day of the match that would determine who would be facing Goto that day. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, Battle of Los Angeles at PWG. Coincidentally, Ricochet, Rick, Will Ospreay, Matt, Matt Seidel against Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Wow. I think that was a that was a six-person tag. I thought there was a ladder match involved in that one, but they, they had a really good year. That that I'll, that I will say that that's the thing. All right, Andy. Tell the people what you've been up to and how they can reach out to you. Uh, I've been working on some new music. I actually have some new music coming out uh probably in like 2 weeks, so I'm shooting for June 16th. Uh, there's going to be a cover of Eternally Yours by Motionless in White on there. 
uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Worm Harvester. That's W-O-R-M-H-A-R-V-E-S-T-E-R. Yeah, find me on Instagram and follow me at Worm Harvester. All right, everybody, that's going to do it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And I'll see y'all next time.